the whole time I thought I was going crazy mm. and the doctors kind of put that into me. Oh, you, you know, you've, you're overthinking it and you're making yourself feel sick and you, you start to think, oh, I'm crazy. Like mm. maybe it is me that's making myself feel sick and maybe it is me that's creating these problems. Mm. And you, you, you put a lot of blame on yourself when you have a chronic illness because you kind of just keep blaming yourself for every mm. little thing that happens. I'm Jazz Rawlinson and this is Reasons to Live, your go-to podcast for inspiring stories of hope, triumph and inspiration from everyday people. Real voices, important issues, no holding back. Ready to join? Welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Reasons to Live podcast. I'm really excited today because I've got one of my best friends uh, who I've known for so long here today, uh, Ria, um, and we're going to be talking about endometriosis, um, you know, invisible illnesses and mental health and how, you know, conditions such as endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome and you know, very debilitating illnesses that many people, you know, you can't see it, but they have such a huge impact on people's mental health and all aspects of their life. So we're going to be chatting about that. And Rhea is also going to be shedding some light on, um, you know, how she manages her mental health and day-to-day life as positively as possible and her advice to other people. So yeah, welcome Rhea Hi, and thanks Kega. for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> um, so just to give everyone a bit of background like I said Ria and I have known each other for a really long time now yeah, we 2006 I think I think so yeah. yeah we met um when we were both working in Coffs Harbour at Wow Sight and Sound which is kind of like JB Hi-Fi and it's funny because both of us grew up in a, a little countryish town called Bonville but we, we didn't know each other we didn't go to the same school and then we started working together um in the camera department, <laughs> like camera buddies, and um, yeah, and then we actually ended up living together in Brisbane. Like many years later, I'd moved up here for a while, and then Bria came and joined, joined the house. Yeah, and there was <laughs> there was three of us in the house, and I remember that Ria and I always had like this crazy sense of humour, and our other housemate didn't quite. <laughs> I don't think she quite understood what we were saying half the time. I don't think she understood or quite appreciated. Like I remember <laughs> she was away one night and Rhea and I were sitting on the couch. We made up this song about like pocket dancing. Oh my gosh, we did too. <laughs> we were singing a song that. about like the pocket dance or something and we made a video and I sent it to my housemate and she was just like, um, okay, like you guys have fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I totally forgot about that one. So, <laughs> that was a great song. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so we had, we just had so much fun living together and, um, yeah, but it's been really interesting for me watching your journey over the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, I wanted to sort of just, just start off with, I'm interested to, you know, hear you talk about when you first began to notice the symptoms of endometriosis like did they come on suddenly and did you have any idea at first what it was yeah so it kind of all stemmed back to when I was 17 which is really crazy because I went to the doctor because I wasn't 
well, I wasn't getting a period like a normal teenager should be. And um, they did a lot of scans and it came back that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and I had a cluster of 12 cysts on each ovary. And I was put onto the pill to try and help me with um, pain and help me, like, you know, be a lot more regular. And I then kind of had a bit of a reaction to the pill a couple of years later and I was getting hot flushes and pain and I I didn't know what was going on and I went back to the doctors and they said, oh, you might be going through early menopause and it was just kind of, there were so many signs before that I I never picked up on and mm. the doctors never picked up on, but now that I see it, it was endometriosis. Because endo wasn't talked about as widely no. back then either. No, never. And I didn't, it, like I'd been on and off pills and I I just was never, I never felt right in mm. myself. I never felt good. And then I got married and I decided we'd have a baby. Well, we both decided we'd have a baby. Not <laughs> I just decided we were having a baby. <laughs> and, um, and it was actually on my honeymoon that I got really, really sick and mm. I'd been off the pill for two weeks and I was in Thailand and we thought it was just Thai belly. <laughs> and I was, I remember sitting there with my husband having this beautiful dinner out overlooking the ocean and it was just so romantic and I got up and I said I have to go right now and I ran back to where we were staying and the pain was I was lying on the bathroom floor in so much pain and I just didn't know what was wrong with me because I thought oh my gosh like what is this Mm. what have I picked up what kind of bug but I wasn't physically sick I was just in so much pain and I came back and I was on antibiotics and every, they just put me on everything mm. and they just constantly kept giving me, oh, like, they never really looked into anything past uh, a bug or a virus. they thought it was or, Giardia or something? Yeah, they thought it was Giardia and then they thought I just had, like, uh, gallstones and stomach ulcers and they just, because I was extremely nauseous and mm. I had a lot of pain in my um lower abdomen and they kind of just like thought I don't know is it just I kind of felt like they just didn't really mm. and was this take much male to, and female doctors mainly male and I got to the, it got to the stage where I was going to the doctors every single week and the mm. doctors would say oh you you've got anxiety like it's just your anxiety creating wow. these problems and have you ever thought that you might have depression? Like your depression is causing you to be sick and your depression is causing you to have this pain. Wow. And I'm not that type of person. I wasn't really a person that had, that has like depressive thoughts or anything. Like I remember before, like before you went off on your honeymoon, you were like fun loving, Mm. happy Rhea, like always joking. And then I remember after that really clearly you like I could see there was a change in you and I didn't know at the time what it was I was just like oh well Leah's. I didn't either <laughs> yeah, I was like Leah's like distant and like yeah. haven't heard from her and then you were saying oh I just feel really sick all the time and I was like oh wow this must be some sort of really awful bug yeah and I remember for that 
pretty much a year after that, you said you pretty much locked yourself away, didn't see anyone, you were working crazy hours, so all your energy was going to work pretty much. Yeah, well, I thought, well, maybe it was the work that was causing Mm. me stress, and, you know, I just... I didn't really want to even get out of bed half the time. Mm. I was just so miserable. I was in so much pain. And at one, the the worst part, and this is where it kind of came to the point where it was all discovered, mm. was I had lost 15 kilos in a month. I wasn't eating. Wow. I was really, really unwell. I, I didn't want to get out of bed. And when I was at work... I was in a small confined space doing some voiceovers with some people and I stood up and everything just drained out of me and I mm. and I collapsed into the chair and then I, I thought, okay, I've got to go to the doctors. Like, I need to mm. see someone. I need to go to a specialist. Did you go back to your regular doctor? or new Well, one? I booked in to get a doctor's certificate for mm. that day to say I couldn't attend work because I was just... I was just gone I was cactus Mm. and um they said oh unfortunately your regular doctor isn't um available so we've Mm. booked you into a a, this female doctor and I um I went and saw her and straight away she said you're not well she looked at all my all my notes and she said did your mother have endometriosis and I thought well yeah, she has, but no one's ever asked me that. And mm. I don't think it's like, because I've been told that it was anxiety and depression and it was a bug and I was like, it can't be anything like that. Mm. And I didn't really have a strong knowledge of endometriosis. And I, I said to her, yeah, my mum did. And she she then said, well, you've gone on for too long. You're too sick. You're losing too much weight. You, you know... You've, we've got to go straight away and put you on the waiting list to mm. have a laparoscopy so we can find what's going on. Because I'd had colonoscopies, I'd had endoscopies, mm. I'd had MRIs, I had, I had everything. And um, I had really high inflammation markers on my blood test and that's what really kind of pointed her to the fact that yeah, something, something, something was wrong. Mm. And my... Uh, when I had my colonoscopy, the transverse colon was extremely inflamed, but on the outside, not on the inside, which they couldn't quite understand. And um, so I went to the doctors, I went to the hospital, and they talked to me about it. They said it might take up to six months. We'll review your case, and then we'll let you know. And within a week, I got a call saying they wanted me to have an operation the week after. And I had the laparoscopy, and they found endometriosis on my bowels and um, my pouch in in my pouch of Douglas. So, mm. and then wow. and then that was like almost two years after I got sick. And we'd also been trying to have a baby in those two years as well, mm. and nothing had come about. So it was kind yeah. of really, yeah. yeah so it was you're like a, quite. A I mean, you were quite bit. unlucky for a long time, but then mm. you were lucky that you got that doctor that was like, "Hey, let's actually." Yeah look into this well know, it was seriously just, it was I, I i always look at things that ha- everything happens for a reason and even even stuff that's bad to you that happens mm. it teaches you lessons and yeah. whatnot but meeting her 
I really think happened for a reason. Mm. Like coming, like the fact that my doctor, my regular doctor was away or wasn't available. And then she was, uh, she had that one appointment that was available. I kind of was like, it was a real yeah, blessing when you like, it was desperately really lucky. needed to find out. So yeah. when uh, when you had the surgery, like what sort of impact did that have on you and how long did it take to recover from that? Um, so it took about two weeks to recover in the way that I could like walk around and move. Some people it takes a couple of days, some people it can take longer. Mm. Um, but for me it was about two weeks and um, it it made me feel a lot better for uh, like two or three months and then it went downhill again. Right. Um, it was just more so the pain and the nausea that got me. And because like I was on anti-nausea med- medicine from the mor- the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. Yeah. Like I was constantly on it and mm. it was the wafers. So it was like really strong. Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of... And then at a bit of a standstill there. With yeah. <laughs> and so now that you had the diagnosis and you knew what it was, um, you know, what, what was that period of, like, did that help you sort of mentally go, okay, now I know there's a reason for how I feel and that oh, yeah, helps, totally. you know, take a bit of a burden off? Yeah. It, no, it really did because I was, I think the whole time I thought I was going crazy. Mm. And the doctors kind of put that into me. Oh, you, you know, you've, you're overthinking it, and you're making yourself feel sick, and you, you start to think, oh, I'm crazy. Like, mm. maybe it is me that's making myself feel sick, and maybe it is me that's creating these problems. Mm. And you, you, you put a lot of blame on yourself when you have a chronic illness, because especially one that goes undiagnosed, because you kind of just keep blaming yourself for every mm. little thing that happens. Yeah. And that was like the biggest thing with me was I I was always constantly feeling like I was doing damage to myself mm. and people saying, oh, you've got to lose weight, you're eating unhealthy, you're doing mm. this. And that kind of was like I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this to myself. But when I got the diagnosis, I was like, okay, I'm and not I think crazy. that's something really important to touch on too because you and I did an article together a few mm-hmm. years ago about some of the really frustrating misconceptions around endometriosis mm. and the things that people would say to you. Um, similar to what you were saying just then, like, oh, you just need to eat better or exercise mm. more and your endometriosis endo will go away you know have a baby and your endo yeah. will go away you know and as you found like you've had a baby now and then yeah well it, it doesn't go away it never it? goes away mm-hmm. it can i think someone told me that it can go into hiding which is <laughs> where it just kind of you don't have um very many symptoms or anything like that um but but it, it never it, completely no, disappears. No, and I think no. I think that's where a lot of people get confused with chronic illnesses because there's not a lot of research around some things and there's not a lot of education around a lot of the chronic illnesses mm. that uh, people tend to pass judgment straight away because they don't understand it. Yeah. So people will say, you're eating your veggies from Woolworths and Coles. They have <laughs> pesticides. You're creating this illness. It's It's not something that 
I just go out and I catch it. Mm. I can't just catch endometriosis. Yep. I can't just catch polycystic ovarian syndrome. It, it's a part of me. It's mm. what made me. Good. And, like it's what makes me kind of. Thing. And it's, I think it's so important for people who struggle with any kind of invisible illness to have that support network around them, and for people to understand that you might look fine on the outside mm. like you you got your hair did you do your makeup you know <laughs> you're like looking real good you're laughing you're having fun you're having coffee with someone you're living your life as normal but inside you could be you mm. know in the most extreme agonizing pain but because you deal with this so frequently you're very used to yeah, putting you on kind a mask. Of, you kind of get used to it you mm. kind of like yes i locked myself in a room <laughs> pretty much for a year but I've learnt to kind of be used to it and I've learnt mm. what my triggers are and I've learnt kind of what I need to do mm. to be able to socialise and to be able to go out. And there's yeah. still times where I don't want to. I don't mm. want to get out of bed. And But now because I have a daughter, like, mm. I have to get up and I have yeah. to do things. And But, yeah, you just, I think people... I think there needs to be more education around just chronic illnesses in general, like... People aren't always going to feel okay. People, mm. it doesn't matter how much exercise you do, how much good food you eat, how much like organic eggs mm. you poach, whatever. You're always, they're always going to be mm. ill. And I was reading a study recently that, you know, recent research has shown that trying to force people with, say, you know, chronic fatigue to exercise more is actually doing more damage. It's not helping at all. And, you know, chronic fatigue is a huge part of, endometriosis mm. um so yeah people just like if if anyone out there has a family member or or has endo or something like that themselves like the really important message that i've heard a lot of people say is you've got to you've got to really focus on being kind to yourself mm. and like you were saying Definitely. to me earlier about self-care as well which we'll get into in a little bit but I wanted to just back up to, you know, you were saying you have a daughter now and I know that pregnancy was really tough on you with endometriosis as well, mm. not just from trying to actually conceive because that was a rough journey as well. Um, you know, can you share a bit about what it was like trying to get pregnant and how long that took and what you had to do and then what you went through in pregnancy as well? Yeah, so I... What, like I said, I tried for like the two years that I was sick and nothing really came about. And I think it was a bad time anyway. Mm. So in hindsight, I think it was good that I ne I didn't get pregnant because I needed those answers and I needed to, to I needed my body to get better. Mm. I needed to recover. Um, and I went on a, um, on the injection, uh, which kind of stopped my periods altogether after my laparoscopy. It's just to kind of help me along, help me get a bit better and not feel so sick all the time. And then it took like six months to come off that. Mm. And I, my body wasn't responding. Like it wasn't, it didn't want to kickstart itself back into ovulating and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So um, I went and saw a fertility specialist and every all my hormones were out of whack and everything was just wrong and and he put me on progesterone straight away and 
it was really crazy because I actually had that was the I think two or three days after I'd actually ovulated for the first time in like over a year Mm. and then he decided that he would put me on letrozole because I didn't get pregnant that first round and I went on letrozole and I was on progesterone as well to help me along and that went really well um didn't get pregnant on that one so then he upped my dosage and again didn't get pregnant on that one and then I thought third time's lucky with letrozole and but I was really really sick on these um fertility treatment it was horrendous I would Mm. I would never want someone to go through fertility treatment it is horrible and I do I feel so sorry for all the women that do have to go through things like um IVF and IUI because I didn't Mm. have to do that which I was which I think I'm I'm lucky, but it's it's a very taxing thing on your body. On your body, yeah, for it, sure. It takes a lot out of you, like you, you know, and it takes a lot out of you when you don't get pregnant too. That's the other hard thing. You, again, you blame yourself and you think, will I ever get pregnant? And you think, like, what what's wrong with me? Why can't mm. I? Like, I'm a woman. Why can't I get pregnant? Yeah. And then you hear all these stories about people that are like, oh, yeah, just... <laughs> It just happened. I don't even know how it happened. And you think, oh my gosh, how how did they do that? Mm. And, and how come it's not working for me? Yeah. yeah. And I think and that, and you put a lot of self doubt in your in your mind and stuff. And that's where you kind of got to overcome it. And you got to be more positive. And I struggle. I I mean, I'm going to admit it. I struggled with that. I struggled mm. to be positive because, like, for two years prior, it was so such a negative time. Mm. And then now. You're trying to more create negativity positive happens. And it's yeah, just, it just doesn't and, go my way. And what was it like when people would say to you, "Oh, just stop stressing and it'll happen"? That was like <laughs> super annoying because it wasn't like for me. And you know, people mean well. Oh like, yeah, like they don't know what it's like. So, but yeah, it was like the thing that stress doesn't really come into play. It's the fact that my body doesn't want to. <laughs> yeah like do what it's meant to do in a way but like and like you said people come from a good place and I and I totally understood that and I was kind of at the stage but with my husband I said to him this last round this is we stop it for mm, a couple of it's months it's so expensive as well it's expensive and it's also like like I said it's taxing on your body and it like you know it, the emotional side of things and the what you have to go through like I was so sick for Mm. like six months on these on this medication so I was like I just I want to stop it and then we'll try again Mm. in like a couple of months just give me a month or two just to regain some sort of myself and because I was I was so angry and I was so like worked up all the time and that's that was what the medication was doing Mm. to me and, and then, so fast forward to like the moment that you found out you're pregnant. Well, I'd actually gone 45 days without ovulating on the medication right. that is meant to make you ovulate. Mm. And the doctor was like, this is really weird. I was having blood tests every day. And I was like, okay, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not, it's just not happening. And then I had a blood test and he said, 
and he rang up and he goes, we're good to go. Like, you're ovulating. It's it's go yep. time. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is my last chance. <laughs> and, I, and I said to my body, I was like, this is it. If, we, if it doesn't happen, we're giving it a break for a couple of months. Yep. And... Um, I just, I just knew, like, I, th- I don't know when you, for when you become pregnant, it's you just, just like you know, yeah, you have this feeling, up. yeah. And um, I said to Sean, I think I'm pregnant, and he's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I said, oh, look, I don't know, we've got to have the test, we've got to take the test, and then the test came back negative, and I was <sighs> like, okay, well, you know, these things happen. I was upset, but these things happen, and. I thought something just is not right and I took another test and again negative and I was like don't keep doing this to yourself <laughs> like, yeah. you just gotta roll with go. the punches mm. yeah and then um it was a Friday and I was oh I was two weeks past my ovulation date and I just thought this is like I'd had a hyper ovulation, so it let a lot of eggs mm. go, and so it was, you know. And I'm like, this just seems like I said nothing seems right with me. And I took another test, and the faintest line, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I ran into Sean, and I was like, oh my gosh, look, look what happened. And was he just like, Rhea, that's not a real line. Like, <laughs> he he was like, it. where is it? And then he was like, oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! So we had another blood test, and I actually had my nieces there that weekend. And to not tell anyone what was happening, it was so hard because I had to wait for the blood test to come through. Mm. And even my um, fertility specialist was shocked because he was like, "How did you go forty-five days Mm. without ovulating and you fall pregnant on this one?" Miracle! He's like, "This is just crazy." So that was like a real highlight mm. and then did you, did you cry oh okay. yeah 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 we were we were both cry- like my husband and I were both crying <laughs> and it was just yeah it was a really full-on moment but it was like really special like mm. it was you know I think because we'd gotten to the point where you're ready to give up yeah we were ready to give up it made it all more special kind of mm. thing I don't know it sounds so weird but and then pregnancy was hard too because oh, you, yeah. you got something called an ovarian torsion yeah so because of the hyper ovulation and my ovaries already having um cysts on them from polycystic ovarian syndrome my ovary slumped down and twisted on itself which caused like no blood to flow through right like nothing to flow through so it was essentially killing off my fallopian tube mm. and my ovary wow and i it um, sounds agonizing it was horrendous i i would list it up there if not worse than um, was it worse labor. than childbirth? Wow. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was excruciating, and I was getting it uh, every three three hours or so. My oh ovary gosh. would start twisting again, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't go through this." How far along were you at that point? I was about six to eight weeks along. Yeah. And, and how um, long did it last for? It lasted till I was thirteen weeks. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. must have been. Well, I don't know. Did you 
did you think to yourself, I don't know if this pregnancy is viable, if I can go oh, ahead 100%. with this? Oh, mm. 100%. So I went back to see my fertility specialist and he said, look, your ovary is huge. It's like... You- your ovary <laughs> is huge, girl. It is massive. And he said... It's not what you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely not what I wanted to hear. And he said to me, you've got a few choices. One, we can abort the pregnancy and you have an operation and we untwist your ovary and we drain it and all that kind of stuff and I and I was sitting there I was like okay and he said two you can let it go and the your ovary might may cut off supply altogether Mm. it may become septic and you may like come into a lot of problems you will lose the baby and you may get very very ill and I was like, oh, gosh, okay, this Choices, is great. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, or oh, three, like, we just monitor it, see how it goes. Mm. And he said these things have a habit of untwisting on themselves and we'll just see how you go. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, do I have to decide now? He said, no, I'll give you two weeks. He goes, I don't want to leave it much longer than that. Mm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy. And, um, and I think too, cause like I'd been through everything and I'd gotten pregnant and it, you know, it'd taken me a while, like mm. all up, it'd taken me almost three years to get pregnant. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Like, I don't, like, this is beyond me. I don't know how to make a decision mm. like this. And every second day I was having an ultrasound on my ovary to make sure that it was going down and down and mm. down. And at one stage it just wouldn't it wasn't going down for a few days and I was just like oh my gosh like this like mm. I'm gonna have to make the decision where I I have to have this operation to mm. untwist it just to mainly like I like I was thinking of myself as well like like that I've must gotta be, so hard be healthy I can't imagine going through that much pain on a daily basis and and like they say women make so many sacrifices for their child and pregnancy's tough on people who don't have ovarian tortions or endo or things like that um so yeah and what ended up happening well it was about two or three days i think it was before i was meant to give him my final answer Mm. and i hadn't had it for like six hours and i was like okay (laughs) i feel okay like i've got a little bit of a pain and then it just, I had this, the tiniest bit of like pain and I was like, okay, nothing's come about. And I rang him and I said, can I book in for just one last scan? And he said, yeah, sure thing, come in in two days. Meanwhile, just so that you know, a fertility specialist is not cheap. So mm. <laughs> I was spending a lot of money after I got pregnant wow. to check. Yeah. Um, and he looked at my ovary and he said it is almost shrunk back to normal size wow and i was like this is crazy he said mm. and he was he was like this is really really good news that's so, like a miracle yeah first, first of all with you getting pregnant yeah after so long and then when your body really wasn't putting you in any sort of position to get pregnant and you were ready to give up and yep. then you get pregnant and then there's the the high of that and then the low of i might have to uh you know, end this pregnancy because mm. lack of the impact it's having on your health. 
And yeah. I can't imagine like being put in that position. Like it would have been so hard to. And it was like because you, like you put, like you do a pros and cons list mm. almost where you think, okay, what what like is my health. Like, More. do I put my health before... Yeah, above the baby. Above the baby. Do I think about the, like, what could happen if something goes wrong or... Mm. And, like, you just keep thinking of all those things. And that's all I thought about for, like, 12... Like, till the 12-week mark. and Or until I found out that mm. my ovary was fine. And then, um, yeah, it was just kind of... I think everything Amazing. happened... Yeah, it all happens for a reason. Mm. I don't know. It just... <laughs> And then it was just crazy. And then the rest of pregnancy, I know, was pretty hard. And then you had a quite a difficult labour as well, like yeah. me, because oh, yeah. I thought my baby had a big head, but <laughs> your yeah. baby, my baby was huge. Um, <laughs> so that was like a, you know, that was another huge thing in itself. But what what I'm interested in is what has because obviously during pregnancy you don't have your period so mm -hmm. i'm assuming there are some some symptoms of endo that like you said kind of go into hiding yeah but i actually felt really good mm. that was my thing like i didn't have like hardly any morning sickness mm. um which was lucky because i had the ovarian torsion so both of them together yeah. would have been a disaster but but then once you gave yeah. birth how long did it take before some of those symptoms started to come back they haven't they hadn't really come back until only recently and um that was when i started ovulating again mm. and my like i can feel i know when i'm a when i'm ovulating because it's so painful and mm. it, i like i was lying in bed and i said to my husband i'm like i just can't get up like you have to look after our daughter just i just cannot move at the moment i'm in so much pain mm. so i'm like oh here we go again like it's back yeah. like so yeah it it kind of came back after about five months yeah yeah you were probably like oh this has been a nice little it was a getting nice used little, to this a little break yeah. from not feeling pain so yeah and so what kind of things do you do on a daily basis now to manage those symptoms and that pain the to the best degree that you can like what are some things you would share with other women who are you know, going that have endometriosis and maybe they're in the early stages of finding yeah. out and they don't know what they can do to help, like, l lessen some of those symptoms? Yeah, so my... what I, Like, what I do is I'm on a low FODMAP diet. Mm -hmm. um, I know I was saying before people are like, mm, don't eat such and such, but diet does come into play a little bit because I have... Um, I have... IBS due to my endometriosis, especially where mm. it was placed, it was like um, attached to my bowels, so that kind of irritates. Yeah. Um, so I don't eat wheat and I don't have a lot of dairy and just things like that. Um, it doesn't prevent the pain; it just it just alleviates it a bit. Mm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I kind of do that. I use heat packs like they're going out of fashion <laughs> um it's really everyone's different i know quite a few women with endometriosis and every single one of us have different symptoms every yeah. single one of us have different ways of dealing with things mm. i try and relax i try and have an epsom bath i try and you know do whatever i can just to make me feel better mm. um and you were saying like a big component for you is that self-care yeah 
like self love. Like yeah, yeah. Not judging yourself all the time because you can't go exactly. out and do things that someone who doesn't live with a chronic illness. Yeah. Know, so I just do. I kind of just make sure that I'm being true to myself. I'm loving myself for who I am. Yes, this isn't ideal. Yes, this isn't what I wanted in life, but it's happened and I've just got to do the best I can mm. with what I've got. So, you know, I try my hardest to look more at the positives than the negatives. Mm. And I have an Instagram page where I, I don't like say how much, how negative everything is. I kind of try and put You're a positive spin. Mm. Yeah. Well, while sharing my life, I try and say, you know, love yourself so others can love you too. Like, mm. if you don't love yourself, then you, you know, you're gonna lose that support network. And as harsh as that sounds, but you are. You're gonna mm. you you keep pushing people away, and that was me. Yeah. I pushed so many people away because I was ill, and I lost so many mm. support, like so much support. People that that would have probably loved to have supported you through yeah. that process, so you weren't doing it alone yeah i think too when you're faced with a chronic illness you tend to learn who your friends are Mm. as well you'll have people that will stay with you and will be friends with you still no matter what even if you don't talk to them Mm. or you will lose a lot of people that like you'll lose a lot of people along the way because they don't understand and they think that you're ignoring them and they don't get why you don't want to go out with them more yeah Yeah. and you do lose so many Mm. friends along the way but i just saw that as i'm not losing friends i'm just i'm i know who my true friends are yeah yeah. and i think it's hard because like i said when you first began going through this and i didn't know what it was yet and you didn't know what it was yet Mm. um like i didn't understand so i was like oh is ria just really busy you know yeah I guess sometimes people like they they don't understand but once you come out and say this is what I'm going through and share with your friends like you said that's when you find out who your true friends are because some will be like oh she never has time to go for coffee and you know she's yeah. says she's sick again and they don't understand but people who are truly your friends will understand oh yeah that you can't always you know you can't always be there and yeah, yeah, exactly. That's important. And I, and Sean, like your husband Sean has been like such a huge support oh, network, hasn't he? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Without him, I don't like to be honest, without him I don't know how I would have mm. kept coping because you know, like although sometimes I give him <laughs> shit for things, but he was always there. He was at yeah. every doctor's appointment. He was at Every ultrasound, he was at every MRI, he was at every um, hospital visit. He was, you know, he he never, like I see it now that I'm kind of past everything and that I can manage it well and that I'm not as sick. I, I never at the time really appreciated what he did and I kind of took it for granted, for granted yeah, that... Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he will he will just do this for me, like, you know. Because you hear I'm about sick. so many women out there who, you know, don't even have a chronic illness and their partners and, like, this is... I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, you and I both have awesome mm. husbands that aren't like this and I know lots of women with awesome partners who aren't like this. But then I've also heard of so many whose partners 
don't even want to help them with the baby. Yeah. They don't. They get home and they, you know, they they're not interested in coming to the ultrasound or they're not interested in helping with the baby when they're at home. Or I've even heard of some cases which just truly awful of um you know some some men who will get home and then just sit in the car out the front of the car mm. for an hour or something because they don't want to go in and face a screaming baby or something yeah. like that and i think it's really great to acknowledge those really awesome men or oh, husbands yeah. partners who are there every step of the way and especially when you have a, you know an illness on top of yeah. regular mum duties which like motherhood is another like a whole other well, I think too when you level. have an illness it all becomes about you mm. and you're s- the person that's supporting you the most they they take a back seat especially mm. like if it's like your husband or your partner um, and they take a back seat and you just everything's about you mm. like when people ask how are you going it's about you it's not mm. about them it's and i think like yeah for for a long time there i never really truly appreciated that and that sounds horrible but like look like now i i appreciate it so much because you're through it yeah like, a lot more so you can and at the time yeah. like too like i do i did appreciate what he was doing for me but it's it's not like i could really I don't know, show him how much I appreciated it because I was so sick. You're in and so much pain. Yeah, and I just kind of was like, yeah, now, I don't know, we have such a good relationship where we have such a good understanding of each other and, you know, if one of us is unwell, then we we kind of know how to deal with You're each other a, a lot better. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're more on a team than we, are, than we were when we first started. Yeah. And um, I think the chronic illness kind of grew us like Brought made us closer grow closer together yeah. yeah made us like we were we were good for each other but now we're great for each other in mm. a way which is yeah i love that That's, yeah yeah and like not to ruin sean's street cred but yeah. he is a big softie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> he probably totally. hates people knowing <laughs> that, but. and i remember um you know maybe just to to finish off on a funny story um i remember you guys like when you first met there was like a bit of a funny story behind that too, wasn't there? Like I, I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you guys went, didn't you go bowling or something? And you were just like beating his oh, ass. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I um I was pretty good at bowling, <laughs> and he was not. And he, I think he got a little bit hurt by that because yeah. <laughs> he wanted to show his manliness, and you know. <laughs> And he, he lost his, to a girl twice. New Zealand, like, you know, <laughs> Maori, Warrior yeah. background. He's like, oh, I can't lose to a girl. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. From the moment I saw him, like, I was like, oh, who is this guy? And my my boss at the time um, kind of, it was his best friend, so he's kind of, like, pushing him on me. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'll go out on a date with him. And that first date, I was like, I, I remember messaging my cousin. And I said to her, I'm going to marry this guy. And she goes, are you serious? And I was like, yep. Yeah, because I remember you came home and you were just like, this guy is amazing. Yeah. And you'd had, like, no luck with guys before that. Uh, and, like, none. you and I had both had a shit time. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was, you know, I was with Chris and things were going well. And then I remember, yeah, you weren't even supposed to go out to that, like, that event where you ended up meeting him. So I feel like your relationship and everything that's led to 
now you guys having this, you know, beautiful daughter together has yeah. just been fate. Yeah. He's, like the, he's such a great guy. Oh, yeah. I think you guys, like, even though you still deal with so much mm. on a day-to-day basis, like, you guys have, yeah, like, had some really big miracles, like, come into your life. Mm. And so, yeah, like, to, to end every chat, I like to ask each person, you know, just to tie in with the theme of the podcast. When you look at back at everything you've gone through and, and all the hardships that you've overcome and what, what your life's like now, what is your reason for living, like, one more day every mm. day? Um, I think I have so much to live for and I, especially now I have a daughter and I want her to grow up understanding, understanding these things and Mm. I want her to grow up not taking life for granted and to enjoy every kind of like little moment when you feel good and every moment when you're, when you're happy, like really take it in, really enjoy it. And I think that's, that's my thing is I went through so much that I have to, like, I was at a really, really low point, but I always had people there saying, you can do it, like, Mm. cheering me on, and I think that's what really encouraged me to just, like, keep going, keep Mm. finding answers, keep, like, you know, striving to communicate why it's important to know about chronic illnesses, why it's important to know about what's going on with your own body. Because you're the only you're the only person that has to live your mm. life. You are the only person that is in your body. Like you have to know when things are wrong and when things feel right. Mm. And I, yeah, my biggest thing is I just I have so much to live for. I have my family. I have my husband, and because they were so supportive of me, that's I want to be okay for them mm. i want to keep keep going and focusing keep on being positive yeah. for them because like it was ne- it wasn't a good time when i was when i was unwell so yeah. i want to be positive for them i want to and that was that's my reason to live is to make their life as enjoyable as they've made my life mm. so that's mm. beautiful and um, if there's, a, there's anyone out there who is going through endometriosis or has a family member who's really struggling and they they are in that dark place still where they feel like everything's too much, um, what's what's the name of your Instagram page? Uh, so it's Fighting Endo. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can follow you there. Yeah. And like, like Rhea was saying, there's lots of really, you know, she just shares like things about her life and keeps yeah. it very real you know especially I remember when you were going through pregnancy what it was like going through all those you know fertility treatments and and the highs and lows of that and um yeah there's a lot of really insightful information and awareness and tips on how to manage endo like the best way possible um and things like that so yeah feel free to reach out and follow Ria um on Instagram at fighting endo and Thank you for joining me. Yeah, yeah for thanks for having episode. me. I'm, I'm excited. I was excited for that. That was fun. <laughs> thanks so much.